which is uh, which is a good start. Um, what I wanted to do this time really was share some of the journey, but in a slightly different form of media, um, and and see how see how that lands. The intention uh, really for me around the diaries is about sharing the journey that we're on but also making it accessible so people can comment, ask questions, get in touch, etc. So in way of what's gone well, um, days 40 to 80, um, we have successfully got through the GDS assessment for NHS jobs, uh, which I'm delighted about, as are the, uh, as are the team, uh, and perhaps more importantly our client, uh, NHS BSA. So uh, really good, uh, really good job from the uh, from the team on that. We've had really good engagement with with NHSX over the last two or three weeks. So NHSX um, is the new department being created directly under Matt Hancock, and it's the department that will drive all of the delivery uh, from a health perspective. Um, and so I've had conversations with uh, Terence Eden and also with Hadley Beenham to to understand a bit more about the approach that they're wanting to take, uh, the operating model um, around NHSX, how it's going to interface with other departments, and and of course with sixty percent of our business being in the health space, we're really keen to support and engage with those guys. Uh, so delighted that we've kicked off the conversation um, and looking forward to continuing that. Um, we've also moved into the next phase of work with uh, British Psychological Society. So we've kicked off the data assessment work um, and we've partnered with Carruthers and Jackson uh, for, that, uh, for that piece. So we're doing a review um, of some of their existing systems, but we're also having a look at data holistically for those guys as an organisation. So that piece is, um, is underway. One of the bits that I talked about um, in my last blog was about the need for me to focus time and effort on the advisory board. Um, and, and, you know, thankfully that is something that I've been able to do. Uh, in the last 40 to 80 days. So we've got a number of big hitters who we've now got signed up to the board and I'm absolutely delighted. So we've got Rachel Dunscombe uh, who's going to join us uh, with a strong health uh, influence and background. Uh, Simon Wardley, so as of Wardley Mapping and Caroline Carruthers uh, amongst others who are joining the uh, joining the advisory board. So the, the first meeting of that will be a lunch in June uh, and that will really kick things off. Our intention around the advisory board is to, I guess, to work with, with those guys as a sounding board, but, but also as a critical friend. We're likely to physically come together three or four times a year. And, and a couple of the members of the board are internationally based. So Paul Shetler is also on the board. Paul's obviously over in Australia. And, and so we're going to have to get creative about how that, uh, how that happens. Maybe a Mac on a table while the rest of us are having lunch. <laughs> Who knows? What um, was the driver for having international advisory board members? So I think twofold. I think I'm less fussed about where people physically located that, than I am about their ability to challenge uh, and help get us where we want to go. So my rationale around having Paul join us is in a lot of ways we're cut from the same cloth. He's very direct 
but he's also done some real heavy lifting from a government perspective. And he probably wouldn't mind me describing him in the way that I often am. Uh, we're both a little bit Marmite, and I think that will be an interesting dynamic on the board. But I think, you know, I'm appointing people and bringing people in to help us. I, I can care less if they're sitting on the moon, frankly, although that might prove more complicated than the need for an iPad. <laughs> Okay, so moving on. So International Women's Day presentation, you took part in that for Department for Transport? Uh, yeah, that was uh, superb. So myself, Karen Cleal, our Delivery Director and Emma Stace, uh, the three of us, uh, amongst others, formed, uh, formed a panel, um, but also carried out presentations talking about um, what, you know, why International Women's Day was important to us. Um, and the bit that I, it gave me an opportunity this year, or, or maybe I felt more comfortable this year, to talk about me personally more. So I talked a bit about my stepdaughter uh, and what an incredible kind of inspiration she is to me, but, but also about some uh, female bosses that I've had before uh, who, you know, really shaped my career um, and, and who I, you know, have a lot of, uh, of, of, of time uh, a lot of time for, but also uh, respect and gratitude for the time they took with me earlier in my career. Something with that as well is watching the presentation, you talked about the, the men in your life that have supported you. That's not something that we actually see on International Women's Day a lot, is is people shouting about the, the male support. So what drove you to do that? I think the bit for me is always about, there's an element of fairness for me, and I think it is important to recognise that, you know, as much as we have strong female role models, um, I also have strong male role models. So, you know, my father is and has been, continues to be uh, a strong influencer in my career. And, and with my business partner, Steve, um, you know, I joked at the International Women's Day presentation uh, with my sexual preference, Steve is about as close to a husband as I ever fancy getting. But, you know, he's a real he's a real sounding board. But also, you know, we've developed a, an incredibly uh, strong working relationship. And I think it's important to recognise that and important to share where, you know, people are providing support. No one can do any of this stuff on their own. Uh, and it's important to me to, you know, be able to talk about that. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So uh, moving on from that, obviously a company-wide implementation of Slack. Yeah, one end of the spectrum to the other. But um, <laughs> what we've really needed to do is to create an environment for real-time collaboration. And we talked about various ways that we were going to achieve this. Uh, we were probably one of the most avid users of Slack, uh, sorry, of WhatsApp uh, prior to implementing Slack. And you know, whilst I personally love WhatsApp and, and continue to use it, the advent of Slack for us as an organisation has enabled us to to really motor forward from a collaboration perspective. I, I you know, I'm using it with with partner organisations that we're wanting to joint bid and work with. We use it for the advisory board, and it's a it's a great tool just for for real time engagement. So. Yeah, a huge fan. Delighted we've managed to get it implemented. Awesome. And so getting approached <coughs> by people wanting to work for different, um, is that something that was happening at the beginning or is this is this a new thing? Yeah, I think this is a new thing. So I think the brand stuff has really taken off. And, you know, the, the, the brand, whilst it's been led initially from Steve and I, 
has developed a bit of a life of its own and that was always the intention so we want people to relate to the brand buy into the values and um, what what we're seeing now is uh, people across our industry uh, and outside of our industry wanting to reach out you know they've seen stuff that different have been blogging about uh, or events that we've been at and and they're interested they want to they want to understand a bit more they want to know if we are different or, or is it just a bit of a marketing uh, thing and so it's um, it's promoting some really interesting conversations and and perhaps most important for me it's promoting interesting conversations with die-hard contractors who are debating exploring joining permanent um, and I that's that's really important for me. I mean, I've 21 years as an interim, so um, it was a whilst it was a hard decision for me to come into different permanently. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that being, I guess, being echoed by others. Do you think? So you said something there. Can we pick up on that quickly about uh, whether working for different, it, how it comes across, is just a marketing uh, ploy? Is that something to worry about? I think. Anybody running their own business and growing a business will have concerns about how the company is perceived, um, how the people feel that work in the organisation. Part of our hiring process is making sure people are really familiar with the brand and our values. It's, you know, and part of the reason we've implemented a performance model that looks at not just the, the what but also the how is that we want to bring that to life. Uh, and we want to bring that to life consistently up and down the, the stack from a business perspective. Uh, am I am I worried about how the company is perceived right now? I think it's evolving. Uh, I, I would be. I don't. I, I what I would say is I don't think it is a marketing ploy. So mm. for me, um, it's incredibly easy for us to market something out there. But you know the proof's in the pudding. If we can't deliver and delight our customers, we're dead in the water. Mm. Okay, cool. And so moving on from that, we advertised last week that we were doing some workshops with uh, bid writing and Anne Kempster. So what was the driving force behind that? So the driving force around that is I think um, everybody needs to evaluate their business constantly. Um, I never want to sit back on my laurels and be confident that every aspect is, is running perfectly. We've spent a lot of time in the last 12 months changing systems out, changing our processes and having a look at how we do things and making sure we do them in the most effective way. Um, and bidding is just, we were at that part of the journey where we needed to have a look at the bidding process. So Anne is an expert uh, who sat every side of the table from a bidding perspective. And I wanted, I wanted us to have a look at how we've been bidding, the sort of stuff we've been bidding for, and being really clear that it, it works into our values, um, but also that we can, if we're successful, deliver that work, mm -hmm. and, we're, we're, and that, that we would be the best partner to deliver that work. But before we get to that stage, we need to make sure that we are selling ourselves in the right way. Uh, and and I, I think, um, you know, we've had continued success um, in winning new business, um, but there's always room for improvement. And, mm -hmm. and the important bit for me was casting the net wider across the business. So we probably had 10 of us from across different in various roles. And, and you know, bidding is never going to be just one person's job. And, and the more that we can uh, share the love 
in that way, uh, the better we're going to be as a business about bidding. And it, it also, it, it gets us to hold a mirror up and have a look at what are we really good at doing and, and where should we be exploring partners for other work. Mm. So it was, it was two or threefold uh, the value from the workshop. So talking of partnerships, um, you recently co-wrote a blog uh, regarding multi-vendor delivery. It seems like you're actually quite passionate about that. So from a personal standpoint, I talk about multi-vendor delivery day in, day out. Um, I've been banging on about this subject for the last 10 years. When I was at Department for Education, I put in place uh, the, one of the very first multi-vendor delivery models at that time using G-Cloud with zero-value contracts. Um, and, and we pulled in probably 120, 130 bodies over an 18-month period on outcomes to actually deliver for Department for Education. So it's something I've always been keen on. I was involved in a piece of work with GDS quite some time ago uh, with uh, Dr. David Best exploring a similar model for GDS. Um, that, that never got legs, which is a shame. And, and then when I was over at NHS Digital, um, we needed to move away from just using CL1 and using specialists to actually bring in, you know, real horsepower around multi-vendor delivery. So it's it's almost certainly one of my favourite subjects, and it's something I'm going to take to the stage later this year and talk about with uh, Amelia Sedano uh, from Crown Commercial. So we're at Digitech uh, in November up in Manchester, uh, and, and you know the focus of our presentation will be around multi-vendor delivery. And the bit for me is the issue is less about the department or the agency trying to solve that problem. Um, I think the onus is on SMEs finding a way to work together um, so they can really create value for a customer. If Crown Commercial could make changes to some of the frameworks that allow multiple SMEs to be named in a bid rather than just a prime and a sub, that would, that would really help. Uh, but that's something that, that I've certainly been lobbying Amelia about for some time. Mm. And so moving back to different itself and the strategy, we've been talking <coughs> quite a lot about that over the last couple of months as it's rolled out. So how's that gone? Uh, yeah, the strategy is, is going well. I think, you know, we're clear about what we want to go after and why we want to go after it. Uh, it was important to me that this wasn't just a top-down you know we involved um, probably a dozen people in helping shape up the strategy um, we've then allocated strategy leads who are working with people right across the business to to take this forward um, and to make it a reality so it's public good organizations that we want to work with our focus is going to be UK based for the remainder of this year um, we have and we continue to explore some international opportunities we have two international clients, but, but I, my gut feel is I don't think we'll set up shop abroad this year. I think we'll continue to do some desktop research and have a look where the opportunities come. Before you were talking about doing some work with BPS and uh, Brothers and Jackson, so you actually attended the book launch for the new book recently. Yes, yeah, so Caroline, um, I've talked quite publicly about this. Caroline was my boss probably 10 years ago. It's pretty staggering for me to still have a very good working relationship with. But uh, Caroline and I kind of go, go way back. She, was, uh, she wrote me into my first head of IT role. Uh, so I've been watching with interest when Caroline launched her chief data officer book last year. And, and, and we have agreed a partnership around data assessment work. 
So I was delighted to be invited along to the uh, to the book launch um, and join Caroline and Peter at a press event where we were talking about data being a precursor to any digital transformation. So it um, it, it works particularly well uh, between the two companies. If you if you don't know where your data is and you don't know what you've got and you don't know how to sort it out, you sure as hell can't move on to a digital transformation. So it was uh, it was a great event, and we're looking forward to doing some more work with Carruthers and Jackson during the course of this year. And finally, with all the things that have gone well, we announced that we were part of Silicon Review's 30 Most Reputable Companies. What does that mean to you? I, I think for me, twofold. I think delighted to be, to be recognised in this way. Particularly delighted to be recognised by a magazine coming from the US. So whilst our aspirations for international remain very much intact, um, I think the reality is it, it's unlikely to become a reality this year. But it really signals our intent and, and in, way of, um, in way of exposure, but also you know, being recognised in that category for, for me is, personally is really important.